Thank you, Dallas, our fearless man's leader. We appreciate you, Dallas. Thanks. All right, well, we've been studying this book for a while now. This is the last one. This is the last lesson on covenant marriage. So I wanted you to get to see a book, just in case you ever wondered, hey, what was that thing we did way back in the day? We still have a few more lessons that we're going to talk about, some really good topics coming up the next four weeks that we have left in base camp here. Um, but this is the last one. This is sort of the closeout lesson for uh, covenant marriage. And it's kind of, it starts with the question, you got it on your, your paper there, why? It's like, why? You know, if only I'd known this stuff before. Gary Chapman's a chapter with, why didn't somebody tell me? Like I have to talk to my wife sometimes when I don't feel like it. I wish I had known. She was so moody. How come somebody didn't say our differences were actually going to really irritate me? As we got along, keep going down this road. We can go on with that if, you know, like if only. And there must be a song out there somewhere that's like, if only, if only, if only. So... The thing is, Gary Chapman, there's a story here. He's challenging, actually, in this chapter, he's challenging us married, you know, he's writing it to married couples, but he's challenging us to implement these things, and he's challenging the church in this as well. It's like, if only the church would get engaged with this stuff. So really have to applaud and appreciate Dallas for bringing this to us, because he challenged the men's leadership to spend a whole semester on marriage in the men's ministry, and we kind of thought, and I love the marriage ministry. We kind of thought, Dallas, what are you thinking? Not everybody's married. Some people are having real trouble in marriage. Uh, some people were married and now they're not married anymore. Some people want to get married and they never got there. And so it could be a difficult topic. Uh, and it is. Uh, but it, marriage is a, a story. And... You know, stories that are good and that are important, they're filled with characters. You think about the stories that you read, it's always got characters. And the characters are different. They have different perspectives, different personalities, different interests. There's always conflict in a good story. There's change over time. You buy a house, you move, change jobs, you have kids, you lose jobs for a while, family members die. And so, life can be tough. Marriage can be tough, but it's also, as you know, and, and, and that's why we do it, we love marriage and we love companionship. God created us that way. So this morning we're going to talk a li- just a little bit 
about how we all have a story. I'm going to show a clip of a, a movie. If you ever had a marriage class with me, uh, sometimes I show this, so you might have seen it before. It's really just a preview. It's an advertisement. It's a trailer for a movie that was about 20 years, about 20 years old. Uh, Bruce Willis is in it, Michelle Pfeiffer. It's called The Story of Us. And what I like about the movie is that it shows them struggling with life, and it shows them going through this change. It shows them two different personalities, a, a funny hippie guy and a straight girl, and they get married, and, and they struggle, and they have kids, and their kids get sick, and they have troubles with jobs. They have family members that die, and it shows the conflict. And, and the, the trailer on the movie says, you know, the tagline is kind of, can you survive 15 years of marriage? They're 15 years in, and boom, we pop into the thing, and they're fighting for their marriage. So I think part of this, the purpose of even just talk, this talk this morning is going to be, hey, uh, this is, you know, if you're struggling in marriage at times, that's reality. That's life. It's normal. And it's okay. Because we're going to keep, so I want to show this clip, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. But it just shares a little bit about common life. And, and so it makes it, kind of normalizes what we're all going through, so it doesn't seem so weird when we're out there having uh, having our own little conflicts. To me, the most romantic, beautiful love stories ever were the ones where two people meet, fall in love, and then 50, 60 years later, one of them dies, and then a few days after that, the other one dies because they just can't bear to live without each other. Not that that's such a good example of a happy ending. I mean, you got two dead people in that example, but that's how I always thought things would be for Katie and me. I do. I do. I'm pregnant. It's a boy. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. I'm pregnant. It's a girl. Happy, Happy Mother's Day. You're not really hearing me. You're not listening. You can't let go of anything. Why should you be responsible for anything? Oh, that's right. You're perfect, and I've done nothing right in 15 years. My favorite therapist was the one with the birthmark on his forehead. Right, the one that looked like the state of California. How could you pay attention to anything that guy was saying? This cycle of closeness then estrangement, what instigates it, triggers it? First thing that comes to your mind. Sacramento. Governor Gray Davis. Fear, that's the main motivator for everything. That and guilt are the two emotions that keep a society humming. It's the wear and tear of the job. The diapers, the tantrums, the homework, the state capitals. Suddenly all you're aware of is that it's virtually impossible to French kiss a person who takes the new roll of toilet paper and leaves it resting on top of the empty cardboard roll. God forbid he takes the two seconds to actually replace it. Does he not see it? Does he not see it? <laughs> Isn't this the moment where one of us is supposed to say, look, this is ridiculous, we love each other, all couples go through this, let's give it another try? Died. My hamster died. My father's dying. towards the end of the movie, and they're trying to work it out. She's like, I don't know if I want you to come over, but I feel like we need to try to keep working on this thing. And it's a great movie. 
And, uh, and <laughs> there must have been something good out there. Okay, so uh, I think I also like the line about the ticking pops. So sometimes life is hard. Sometimes marriage is hard. You know, Paul told us about that in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about marriage and singleness, and he tells us right up front, hey, I wish for you you didn't get married. But if you did, you hadn't sinned, but guess what? You're going to have trouble. That's encouraging. Okay. Um, Jesus tells us we're going to have trouble. He wasn't talking about marriage here, but he was talking about life. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace in the world. Because you have tribulation. Isn't it funny? Those two words, tribulation and trouble, that's the same word. There. Distress. Affliction. Anguish. That's what this means. It's like an oppressive state of physical, mental, social or economic adversity. But Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? You, if you know the quote, but take courage, because I have overcome the world. And that's what's key to all of this part in our life, isn't it? Seeking first the kingdom of God, all the rest is going to be added up to you. He's like, I've already overcome the world. I've given you the tools to make it, to persist through this tribulation. So it's kind of up to us, like, How are we going to respond? And what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do with this information? What are you going to do? We've got a few choices. We can hide from it. Put our disagreements and our challenges up under the carpet and not pay attention. Ignore it. Try to go along as best we can. Make it to the next day. A lot of couples do that. A lot of times we do that in our relationships because it's easier that way. And there's other approaches. It's like the drill sergeant approach. It's drive on. I remember this movie. When this movie came out, I was in basic training with the Army. And we got our first, this was 1987, I believe, we got our first, like, little break we must have hit like a cycle change or something. And we got all marched down to the movie house at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri by the drill sergeants. We're all bald-headed, sitting with our birth control glasses on. Those, those are not true. Those glasses that guy's got on there. These big black-looking things, all you could see is these black glasses on your face. I just remember laughing so hard because this guy was in your face, this drill sergeant. And it was like what we just went through. I grew up in a family. My dad was a Vietnam vet, uh, SEAL. My, my granddad was a World War II veteran. And I heard a, a Navy guy, too. I heard all kind of language around the house. And they liked to drink and cuss. And I never heard so many, so many, never called so many names when I went to basic training. I'm like, but his point was, look, there's adversity here. That's why they give us these guys. They teach us, look, you're in the thick of things. You're not going to give up, you know. Suck it up and drive on. Airborne, that's what I used to hear. Soldier, and a lot of other worse things than that. Improvise, right? They give, but they give us tools to do that. They train. And that's what 
the blessings that we have is that we're Christians and we have Scripture that teaches us about relationships and how to relate to one another, how to relate to our wives well. It teaches, and we have people that have studied this stuff and have written it down in books to give us some insights to help us do better. So we try to learn what we can, you know. Uh, Mom used to say, don't cry over spilled milk. Well, okay. I sort of like to say, well, cry. But then pick yourself up and do something with the tools that you have. Clean the mess up and try better the next time. And so this really is more like just trying to be an encouragement because there is going to be a next time. There's going to be another chance to redeem whatever conflict and situation that you've gotten into at home. And whether you're riding high on the wave now and you crash tomorrow, you know, then time is going to keep marching on and we're still going to have these chances to redeem. Scripture talks about that a little bit. Lamentations, Lord's loving kindness never cease. His compassions never fail because they're new every morning. Every morning we have another chance to love our wives better, to care for them more deeply. Great is your faithfulness. And we've talked about this one already. Seek first his kingdom. And he's not talking about marriage here. He's talking about the trials of life. And, you know, it's in the context of what are you going to wear? And where is your food coming from? Where are you going to eat or drink that day? And he's saying, look, what you need to focus on is me. You need to keep me first in your life. Relationship on him. Because everything else is going to follow after that. He's a model for us. This slide in an earlier lesson where it talked about Jesus being our model. He's a servant. He provide, he, was, he, he sacrificed all for us. And then, what do you know? God comes along and he has people like Paul put in Scripture that we need to be emulating Christ in our marriages because we're supposed to be the leaders like Christ is the head of the church. We're supposed to be leading our families, caring out for our wives. The reference in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And the reason he did was to make her a better person. The reason Christ sacrificed for us was to make us better people, to make us cleanse us white as snow, to present us back to himself pure, white and holy. And that's what Ephesians talks about. So what a privilege it is that we have a choice. What a privilege it is, what a blessing it is we have example in him. And as we are deep in relationship with him and we see how he relates to us, how he comforts us, how he cares for us, and how he cares for his church, then we're to turn around and emulate that in our relationships with our spouses, with our wives. You might remember this. Um, these smiley faces. We talked about the tale of three faces, and I don't know if you remember, but all of these folks had something in common. And that's what they're all, all those couples are writing their stories. They all are going through life together and going through the ups and the downs. We talked about the ones on the, the far right-hand side up there, the smiley faces. They got just as many problems, just as many trials. Just as many tribulations, disappointments as the ones that are so frustrated that they get divorced, that they separate. 
or the ones that are just never really that happy. They're just making it. The difference is they get equipped with tools and they learn how to resolve that, those things. They learn how to fix the problem so that we don't create new problems in the process of fixing the ones that we have. So there is hope. When we study this stuff, we see that there's hope. We intuitively know there is. We just got to, we just have to realize it and accept it. And then, and then this, like, look for what are these things that we should be doing? We have to ask ourselves, which ones do we want? We all, we all want to be on the The reason we get married is to enjoy life and have fun with the life of our youth. I mean, we already know what the answer is, so it's like, how do you get there? Um, I'm going to cover a few practical tools. And these are just little snippets, though. It's really how do we get there is we do this stuff every day, day in and day out, just a little bit at a time. That's how we get there. Initiate daily dialogue with your wife. Oh, my gosh. It's really important to talk to her. That was a part of the, we had, quite, you know, several lessons on that. And it's like not just once a week, make it a really big conversation and get it all over with at one time. No. Uh. What we know is when we study this stuff is you get around and you talk to your wife like 20 minutes a day. And you say, how's your day, baby? How did it go with the kids? What happened at the doctor when you took little Johnny to the doctor today? How did it go when you had that meeting with your boss if your wife was working? How did it go at homeschool? Remembering what she did, investing yourself into her life. That's what makes the difference. Talking to her, hearing from her, observing what she's doing, providing her compliments that are genuine because you've actually noticed what she did, like make you dinner, put the dishes away after she made the dinner, whatever that stuff is. Noticing and telling her those specific things that you appreciate about her. So not just the compliments, but just the genuine gratitude of her sharing life with you. Uh, a couple of other things in sort of maybe a different category, dating your wife. Like I said, we, we got married because we wanted to enjoy life to the fullest. You know, social science has figured out, and folks that studied your brain and how bonding works, it's so connected to having fun to doing common experiences that you share and enjoy together. It is important to go date your wife. It's not just something that is neat because people say you're supposed to do it with her. It's good, it's good for your marriage and your relationship. It naturally bonds you when you're going and having fun and you're laughing, you're holding hands, and you're not trying to resolve all the conflict. You're just having fun. You're just going out to have fun, and you put the conflict on the shelf for a little bit, going and enjoying the, your company, watching the movies, having dinner, walking around the park, it's whatever it's fun to you and her. It's like both of you having the same kind of fun together at the same time. Pick out those things that you enjoy and rate them one to five, five being the stuff that's the most fun. Guys, go down the list and pick number five for both of you. Don't do stuff that's five for you and one for her and make her go do it and call that a fun date. It's fun for you. You, know? you can do that stuff later. Or at a different time. But take time to go do the fives together so that you bond. And, and really that she becomes the one that you have the most fun with. Not uh, doing other stuff with the guys or whatever. You know, with playing computer games and all the other stuff that we, we do. Attend a marriage enrichment. Do a seminar or a conference. Uh, do a great date nights. You know, we're having great date night coming up. 
here. That sixth is another one. It's a great date night turned into breakfast. It's going to be a good time, and it's going to be fun. You're going to enjoy it, and it's, it'll be, uh, there's a lot of comedy, and, 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 and there's interaction sort of with them, but they're not going to put anybody on stage and make it be awkward, but they're going to ask for input about their skits and stuff. It's a good show. Uh, read books together. Get rid of the blaming and the criticism. Believe the best about your partner. That's really important. They love you. They might mess up, but they're probably not trying to make you really irritated at them every day when you come home from work. There's probably some other stuff that's going on. Look for the best. Pray for and with your wife. Do activities that share your spiritual life together. That's what it's about. Where your treasure is, where, how you're doing these things, there will your heart be also. And your treasure should be in the Lord, and then it should be in your wife. And the more that you do in those areas of your life, then the deeper those relationships become. So as you look forward, I want to give you some hope. You know, a reminder, Philippians, he's talking about unity in this first reference. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. You know, not doing things from emptiness and selfish conceit, but with humility. You're thinking about the other person. He's talking about unity in the body of Christ, but it's so applicable to us in marriage. We get unity and and we prosper when we serve. And when we have bumps, we listen to that sort of like drill sergeant in our head, and we keep going, like Paul's talking about. We press forward towards the goal, towards the prize. We keep our eyes on him, and we keep doing the right things. And we have fun. God gave us our wives to have fun, and then life is going to be over, and we're going to be in eternity. So, what are you going to do? I, I couldn't, couldn't get away from our drill sergeant. So, we have a few things to talk about. Um, what kind of practical tools do you have? What, kind, what, what should you be adding into your toolbox? How does the Lord, you know, we're in a covenant relationship. That's what this book is titled covenant marriage and the covenant is between you and your wife and the lord so how does your relationship with the lord impact that how does your relationship with your wife impact your walk with him and being being a model uh, what things can you do to serve her this bonus is one uh, suggestion that might be kind of fun for you to try for 30 days give her a new or a different compliment every day just one, so that's like 30, but different. Like you can't say you look pretty every day. It's only once. The next day you got to say, you know, something different. You made a good dinner. So you get the idea. But something different so she knows you're actually paying attention and, and loving her. Yeah, only 30. So, and then you can start over because she'll forget by then. So thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, being here for being a part of men's ministry and for uh, having grace as we go through this, these uh, topics of marriage together. And I really appreciate it. It's an encouragement to, to be part of, part of you. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for our time this morning. We uh, just give it back to you. Pray that you help us to love you more each day and help us to love our wives. In Jesus' name.